Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward to speaking today to Christine Langdon. Christine is co-founder and chief of good at The Good Registry, a gift website where you can give or ask to receive goodness instead of stuff. The Good Registry has partnered with 65 New Zealand charities, which people can support through charitable gift cards and gift registries. And in their first three years, they've raised $565,000 for good. Christine didn't start out in business or social enterprise, though. She studied as a journalist originally and worked at newspapers in New Zealand and overseas, then moved into communications and public relations, seeking out roles where she could have a positive social impact. She led the community program at Z Energy before leaving what she called her dream role to forge her own path in social good. And as well as leading the Good Registry, Christine continues to do strategic communications consulting for causes that resonate with her. Morena, Christine, and thank you very much for joining me today. Morena, Anna, how are you this morning? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. So, Christine, the first question that I would love to ask you today is to take you just a little way back and to think back to when you were a child or maybe even when you were getting into your teenage years. What careers were you thinking about or even aspiring to? I considered a few. One, no, was I think one of those dreams of kids is to be able to travel around the world. So I quite liked the idea of being an air hostess. And my mother, an air hostess, as it was called in those days, um, not current terminology, is it? My mother pointed out to me that I walked like an elephant. I was way too heavy footed and she didn't think I would make a very good air hostess. So that discounted that one. And then as I was actually getting to seriously thinking about what I would like to do, there were a couple of things that were quite high up the list and I can actually see similarities between them. I was interested in joining the police. I was interested in uh, social work and I was interested in journalism. And the connection between those things is all getting to really engage with people on quite a personal level and sometimes see the rawer side of life. And then the decision that took me towards journalism was I was really lucky that at my school there was a sixth form certificate journalism course and it was run by a former journalist and who was now a teacher. And I was able to do that class and I loved that class and I got to write for the school newspaper and the school magazine and go and do some work experience at a local newspaper and that really sealed it, that journalism was the thing for me. Wonderful and how fantastic to get that early taste and experience to know what it was actually like. And so you then did move on into the world of journalism for, for quite a number of years. What were the, the highlights but also the challenges of those first few years of your career? The highlights were that I did get to move around New Zealand a bit and it's such a great way to arrive in a new city and instantly have a group of friends because as soon as you join a newsroom, you've got your group of friends and to experience a city from that perspective of getting out and about and being part of the big things that are going on in the town and you don't have a, a, a day where you're just sitting at the desk 
doing what you thought you were going to do every day is different and every day uh, brings unexpected things. Some highlights were I was really lucky that at quite early stage, I just started work at the Napier Daily Telegraph and the chief reporter left. And I had no expectation that I would have been ready for that role, but the editor offered it to me and I was terrified at the prospect, but I took it on and I think I was like 23 or something like that. And it was just such an incredible opportunity that early in my career to take on a leadership role and to really challenge myself and to learn that when I'm given a challenge, it's worth taking it and that you'll always find a way to meet a challenge. And then another real highlight of my journalism career was being at the Dominion Post and I got offered a secondment to go and work at the New York Post. So I had four months living in New York. And as I said, when you're uh, part of a newsroom, it's just such an incredible way to experience a new town in New Zealand and then translate that to experiencing New York as a journalist at the New York Post. Such an amazing way to experience that city. I can imagine. And I like the way you talked about journalism. Actually, every day is different. You get to go out and about. You very quickly get to meet new people, get to know the place that you're in. But I loved also that editor really believing in you that you could do the role and so giving you that challenge. And actually through that, you learned and grew so much. That's super. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing that when somebody else believes in you, then it's an opportunity to believe in yourself in a way that you might not have otherwise. And I think that's power that we can bring to other people when we believe in them and show them what they can do that they might not have thought that they can do. Because I certainly had never imagined that I was ready to be a chief reporter or that I might ever have the role of being a chief reporter. Mm-hmm. And that's a lovely point about actually what's the role that all of us can play in believing in other people so that then they start to believe more in themselves. Yeah, super point. And then you moved out of the world of journalism, I believe, into more the world of communications. So what prompted that move? That move came about because I was working at the Dominion Post and I had gone from doing the day-to-day reporting. So I'd gone from being a chief reporter at Napier to having other experiences overseas, came back to New Zealand and was working at the Dominion and then it became the Dominion Post. And I was doing frontline reporting roles. I'd done political reporting, which was incredible as well. And then uh, there was the merger of the Dominion and the Dominion Post. And in that merger, I took a role back doing newsroom leadership as a deputy chief reporter there. And I started to feel the disconnect at that stage from what I loved about journalism of being out and about and doing the doing and being part of the story versus all of the stuff that goes with running a newsroom and managing teams and editing other people's copy rather than having the joy of creating it um, myself. So I was at that point of feeling like my journalism career wasn't quite so satisfying and not quite being sure where I wanted to go with it, feeling like I didn't want to keep going up the ladder. And at that point in time, the newspaper was sold uh, to new foreign owners and there was an opportunity in that to take a redundancy. So I just thought, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take the financial benefits of that and uh, potential freedom to rethink what I want to do from that and left. And the first opportunity that came up, I wasn't tied to going into communications. I would have taken another journalism role, but the first opportunity that came up was in communications as a media advisor at uh, Child, Youth and Family. 
And once I got into communications, I realized how much more multidimensional it was in terms of my opportunities to grow and do new things at that time. So then I could see the possibility of growing a career in communications that I hadn't seen before. And then I believe you moved them between for a while between doing communications within organisations, I think for the Red Cross and then later on with Zed and also being a, a consultant as well. So tell me a little bit more about what you liked or what you found more tricky about some of those roles. Yeah, and the reason for the shift between the two different types of working was my inherent need for some freedom and flexibility in the way that I work. So I went from childbirth and family to the Red Cross. And the reason for the shift to the Red Cross was I really wanted to do work, knew that I was making a positive contribution in the world. And I was really excited about that. And then soon after I got there, we had the South Asia Tsunami And it was an incredible uh, thing to be part of the response for and standing up the Family and Response Centre in New Zealand for that and fronting the media on that. And it was an incredibly, incredibly intense year doing the communications essentially on my own in that organisation. And I pretty much burnt myself out there. And and became a little bit disillusioned as well with, with the way that things were working in the organisation at that time. And I had the opportunity to go into Senate SHJ, which is an incredible consultancy run by amazing humans with just some of the best communication skills out there. And I jumped at that. I jumped at the opportunity in particular because they had a a program called the Academy where they gave people constant opportunities to learn and grow. And also I jumped at the opportunity because one of the partners there, Tracy Bridges, specialised in social impact and behaviour change for good type work. And I really wanted to do that with her. And I did that for about seven years. And then I got to that point where again, I was like, I'm just working so hard. I just actually need to take time out for myself. And I can see that I could contract for myself and choose when I work and choose if I want to do a four day week or a three day week, or if I do seven days, then I get paid for seven days. So I jumped um, and decided to do contracting It gave me freedom to go and do some things like go and do yoga teacher training for a month, all these kinds of things that you can't do when you're restricted by the amount of leave that you have. And then I started teaching yoga in prison and and just again was drawn to wanting to do things where I could see the social benefit of my time making a difference for people. I went into Zed doing communications for them as a contractor. And at that point, I was still swearing black and blue that I was never going to do a five-day week. I was just going to do four-day weeks and that I was never going to be employed by anyone again so that I could retain that flexibility. But then I had the opportunity in Zed to move from doing communications to leading their community strategy and taking on a full-time role as their community manager. And that was just too irresistible for me. So I went back into employment and full-time work, although they always allowed me a half a day off on Friday so I could continue to do my yoga teaching in prison, which was a absolutely incredible, generous thing for them to do and meant that I could keep having that thing that was really important to me in terms of out-of-work fulfillment because that balance is so important. And then again, the same thing kind of happened at the end of a few years of being 
at Z where I was like, I'm ready to have the freedom and flexibility again, just to work out my own thing. And I, I appreciated that I was at a really good Kiwi company and in a really good role at that company. I didn't want to go to a different company. I didn't want a different role in that company. What I needed was to go and create something for myself. And I didn't know what it was going to be. So I quit without a plan to see what would come into the space, I guess, if I created a bit more space in my life. And that's what's led me to where I am now, which uh, is as the co-founder and chief of the Good Registry, which is a social uh, enterprise, a giving platform where people give donations instead of physical gifts. It's all about reducing waste in the world and giving people the joy of giving endorphin kick that you get when you're able to help um, a charity and help the good work that they're doing and and be of benefit to those charities. We've got 65 charity partners. So I'm in that place now where I've got control of my life again. I'm doing work that really is meaningful to me. That work is actually still unpaid and I'm doing to support myself alongside that. I've started doing some communications consulting again too. And fascinating for me hearing that story and almost those sort of chapters in your life and how for each one there was almost a natural end to it or a point that you went, okay, it's time for me to move on. But also, as you said, even coming into Z, actually recognising maybe I didn't want to be employed, but then being adaptable enough to go, okay, this is a great opportunity. I'd like to step into it. And then now, obviously, as you said, with your current role, a good registry, I guess it's a different role again. You've gone from being a, a consultant to being effectively an entrepreneur. How's that transition been? It's been amazing. It's been incredibly hard work and incredibly fulfilling. I have had to do, I've had to learn so much stuff about just how to set up and run a business as well as how to set up and run a trust because it's a social enterprise. It's got both of those elements to it. And then all of the technical side of it it's a it's an online platform and so I was deeply involved and remain deeply involved in the setting up of the website and the and the technology and how the technology works and trying to solve we're really limited by our budget and trying to come up with ways that we can make our platform better on a shoestring and understand the technology options for that has been a really steep learning curve And then the other thing about being an entrepreneur is this incredible sense of satisfaction that the hard work that I am doing is creating something that wouldn't be there otherwise. And it's creating uh, opportunities for people to give that they wouldn't have otherwise. And it's uh, reducing waste and it's helping good causes. And all of that's happening because we created something. And that's an incredibly satisfying feeling. Mm, I can imagine it is. What else do you love about the work that you do now? I love the community that I've become part of. I love that I go uh, to events now and know a whole different group of people that I call friends. And there's a real warmth um, in the room with people that I didn't know four years ago and would never have met or been in the same circle as if we hadn't done this crazy thing. I love working with my co-founders and the way that we support and challenge each other. I love working with our interns. We've been really lucky that the Massey University has a communications 
degree and part of that degree is an internship paper that students can choose to do and only the best students are allowed to do that paper and the students can choose anywhere that they want to go and do their internship but we've managed to create quite a reputation with the program I think because I um, do just give the students lots of different opportunities and because myself and my two co-founders Tracy Bridges who I talked about before who was one of the founders at Senate SHJ uh, where I went to work and Sue McCabe who was a friend of mine who I did journalism with at the Napier Daily Telegraph and they've both become friends Friends for Life and co-founders in the Good Registry. So we all come from a communications background, so we're able to give these interns a really good experience. And I love that. I love that part of the good that we're doing in the world is we are mentoring and supporting these up-and-coming communications wizards, and they're a real joy to, to work with and to see them grow and to see them leave us and go into exciting roles as they start their career. And probably in many ways, you're believing in them just as somebody did in you a while back early on in your career. Yeah, absolutely. And I can hear it naturally that you look for the the positive side, that you're naturally kind of an optimistic person, but equally different points in time in our careers, we have tough moments and tougher challenges. If you look back at your career, what have been some of the, the toughest challenges or moments that you've had? That is a hard question for me to answer. <laughs> Because I am good at, if things are tough, seeing the opportunity in it, or if there's not an opportunity in it, cutting out and just moving to something else. I've definitely never done anything as hard as starting the Good Registry. I had the idea for the Good Registry in August 2017, just a few weeks after leaving my job at Z, uh, much sooner than I planned to jump into doing anything. I'd planned to give myself quite a long time doing some blogging and just living mindfully and peacefully and then had this idea in August. And Sue and Tracy, within a couple of days, had said that they, were, they loved the idea too and agreed to come on as co-founders. And we decided that if we were going to launch a thing that was all about changing the way people give gifts, that the time to launch that kind of thing would be at Christmas, even though it's a year-round platform for birthdays and corporate gifts and staff rewards and recognition and all of that kind of thing. So we basically gave ourselves three months to do everything from having had the idea to launching the website, which included going out and finding people to build the website, scoping up what the website was going to look like, getting all of the copy for the website, uh, supporting the build, being there in meetings with the developers almost every day or producing copy for them every day, going and finding out initial 50 charity partners, getting them all signed up, getting ourselves actually registered and, and all of the legal documentation in place for the trust and for the company. We ran a crowdfunding campaign, which was incredibly intensive work in those three months as well, which was about helping us raise some money and also about helping us raise some profile before we launched so that we weren't launching cold in November as this thing that nobody had heard of. So that was 70-hour weeks for me for about three months. And, and that was hard going. And then when we got to Christmas, I didn't know how to stop. my. Um, I hadn't kind of really noticed along the way but my, not anxiety, but just those levels of activity that were in my body 
didn't know how to switch off come Christmas and I just felt like I need, I, I should still be doing something, you know, to keep kind of moving forward with this, all this work that we had been doing up until then. So I, I, that to me is the hardest part of my career was creating this thing and the hard work that had to, to go into it and, and doing all of the stuff that I just hadn't ever had to do before and, and learning so much at the same time as working so hard. And then I just I also wouldn't say that it was something that I didn't enjoy because it was amazing. It was an incredible experience. But at the same time, tough. That is a tight time frame to start a new organisation and a technology platform and find charity partners and, and raise some funds and raise the profile and do the look. That is a, that is a tight time frame. So I can imagine how it would have been tough, but at the same time, hugely satisfying to be able to get it off the ground in that incredibly short space of time. Yeah, it was. All of that. And you talked a bit then about that at that point in time, almost you were kind of running, you know, those sort of high levels of activity in your body. And it struck me before you went into that phase, you were thinking, oh, I might live a bit more mindfully, a bit more peacefully. How do you find balance now between your working life and, and your broader life? It's something I'm really committed to. All of those choices that I've talked about having made in my career, a lot of those have been about allowing space in my life for a really good balance. And when I felt like my life is too full, I've been willing to give up the work to create space to reprioritize. And the things that I am committed to doing pretty much every day, I I do yoga pretty much every day. I meditate pretty much every day. I do some kind of outside exercise pretty much every day. And I'm not rigid about it. It it happens as part of my routine. And if it doesn't happen because something else um, takes its place that day, that's okay. I don't make it a stress to include that. And then I maintain really good connections with my friends and the people that I enjoy doing with and all of the things that I enjoy doing. Yeah, and I can imagine that helps too. But I like the way you talked about almost building it into your routine, having some structure, but also not being rigid about about those elements. But obviously for you, those are the things that help you to feel grounded and, uh, and more in balance. Yeah, yeah. And the title for this podcast is The Female Career. I was wondering if there were any particular barriers or challenges you might have faced as a woman in your career. You know, that's really nothing that I've ever felt strongly. As I said to you, I've always been given opportunities. I think I've always been paid fairly. I think that the barrier is our own mental barrier. And I know that I haven't always asked for a pay increase or I've accepted a job at the the amount that I was offered rather than going back and saying, can I have another $2,000 more because I'm always kind of happy to get what I'm offered. And I think that it's really important that we actually do value ourselves and we do, when we're offered a role, always go back and ask for more because it's only women that don't do that. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's me that's been my, my biggest blocker is just those attitudes as a woman where I don't ask. And if you don't ask, you don't get. That's very true. It's certainly one thing that I talk about a lot with the women that I coach is around absolutely asking for the opportunities or the 
remuneration package that that you deserve and, and valuing yourself enough to ask for that. It's a, a, a great point. If you don't ask, you don't get. Very true. And we talked, Christine, there about, um, the, about some of the challenges. The next question I'm going to ask you is probably going to be a bit easier then for you to answer because it's more on the positive side. What are some of the things that you're proudest of in, in your career? I am really proud of having created the Good Registry, obviously, to have an idea and no idea how to uh, deliver it and just to start and to create something. Yeah, I couldn't be prouder of what we've created and I couldn't be prouder of the way that we've gone about it as a team of three and the support that we've managed to bring alongside us and the way that we've coached and mentored interns and given opportunities to other people who have been interested in volunteering to support us. And I'm really proud of the impact that we're having. After three years, we've raised $560,000, which is money that's doing good in the world instead of being spent on things that aren't wanted or needed. And we've reduced an you know, incredible amount of waste in, in doing so and given an incredible number of people the opportunity to experience the joy of giving and hopefully to learn about charities and to want to continue to be philanthropic or to support those charities in other ways. So super proud of that and in the kind of courage and the commitment that it's taken to do that as well. I can imagine, I like, you know, talking about what you've created, but also proud of yourself through making it happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I personally think it's just, a, it's a fantastic idea. It's, I think about myself with my family or my kids and thinking about Christmas and how much plastic stuff we get them that re- in reality they may you they may or may not use and the impact on the environment it has. And, and actually that that what you're doing is, is I like the way you almost kind of talked about, I think you talked about the buzz or that, that sort of warm, fuzzy feeling that people get from giving. And they do, that is one of the great joys. Yeah, and thinking about children, the greatest thing that we could do for children is to leave them a planet that is going to meet their needs and the needs of their children and their children and with the gift giving culture at the moment of giving stuff that is damaging to the planet is taking resources from the planet and that isn't needed that's doing them a disservice and we've got this opportunity instead to give them the experience of giving and for children that have used our platform they've had so much joy and they get they're really proud and we hear really lovely stories about the experiences that parents have with their children sitting down and looking at the charities and talking about the different charities and what those charities do and why we need those kinds of charities in in our society so the children get an incredible learning experience out of it and it shapes them as humans as seeing that they've got a role in the world to give not just to get and that they, they can feel good about that. And so going through that is absolutely the broader social and community impact that you might have for society and, and the way we think about the world and, and the impact that we have. Fascinating. I'm interested, Christine, to hear where do you see your career heading in the future? I am looking to do more contracting in the social impact and environmental space. So as I said, to support myself financially over the last year or so, I've started to do some contracting work alongside the Good Registry now that the Good Registry is not 70 hours a week anymore. And I'm really focused this year on doing that contract work, if possible, in the the area of New Zealand's response to climate change, getting us 
to a position where we're actually doing what we need to do to um, address this very real problem. Yeah, so I want to make sure that the contract hours that I'm doing to do work that I'm really passionate about as well, not just to do work to pay the bills. And then on the business side, I obviously want to keep growing the Good Registry. And I have a sense that the Good Registry is also part of my learning towards doing something else as an entrepreneurial venture. And I don't know what that is yet, but I know that I'm learning so much um, from this experience and that I will probably have another aha moment that I feel compelled to go and create something and that I'll be able to use everything that I've learned and all of the connections that I have made uh, from the Good Registry to, to achieve that. And I think you often say it when somebody who started a business that actually, as you said, you learn so much from that, that in the future you may be able to apply that learning, that knowledge, as you said, those networks to hopefully solve another um, problem or identify another challenge that, that you may have a role in solving. Yeah, fascinating. Well, I might even next time be able to make it something that financially looks after me for as I head towards retirement and that kind of thing. You know, I would actually like to do a business venture that is both social good and can support me financially at some point. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's not always easy. There is, there's the charity space, there's the business space. And that part in between is if yourselves as a, as a social enterprise to try and find a way to create a business that's also doing good. It's not easy. It's not easy and it is entirely possible and there are a lot of really good businesses out there that are all about doing good and do have a model that is financially sustainable and ultimately the business came from meeting communities' needs. That's what it was hundreds of years ago. It was what does our community need and, and businesses sprouted up around that and then they've kind of gone off the rails a bit to being all about money and we need to get back to that place where businesses exist for our well-being and for meeting our needs and that businesses should be able to support people as well that support the, the people who create them and the people who work in them financially yeah absolutely and I think there is a there seems to be a mindset shift and the next generations coming through are seeing a more rounded approach to business and what it means rather than that purely economic and financial lens. So I have more hope for, for the generations coming through. Good. And one last question, Christine, I'd love to hear what career advice you would have for other women. I think follow your passion. Don't ever feel trapped. Don't, don't do work just for the paycheck. We have an amazing opportunity through our careers to fulfill ourselves and to learn and grow in ourselves and feel like we're making the kind of contribution that we want to make in our lifetime, whatever that contribution might look like. And yeah, don't settle for less than that. It doesn't mean that you have to be doing some big lofty role, but just make sure that what you're doing feels right in your heart. Mm, wonderful advice. And I haven't heard that phrase, but doing something that feels right in your heart and so often I think we approach careers with our heads with mm -hmm. a, a rational lens of maybe what we should do or the expectations that we have or what might earn us the mm -hmm. decent salary but also focusing on your heart and, and um, what that's saying to you as well so important yeah and we can have the best of both 
Yes, yes, exactly. And just like your business as well, it feels to me that actually you're raising money for charities, but you're also getting a huge amount out of it and so are the people that work with you as well. Christine, it has been such a pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you for taking the time to share all those different elements of your career and particularly for me, the reasons why you made them and, and being open enough to share those. And it's been wonderful for me to hear the just the passion and the energy and the excitement you have for the work that you do now. So thank you for taking the time to share your story. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Anna, for the important work that you're doing as well to help women in their careers. We've got to have each other's backs, hey? We sure do. Absolutely. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.